Hey everyone, my name is George Davis, and I too want to welcome you to this online service of the Hershey Free Church. If you've got a Bible, please join with me in turning to Philippians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, let me just remind you to uh, encourage you to check out our Sunday bulletin that you'll find online at hfcinfo.com, where you'll find sermon notes, where you can leave a, a prayer request or, and check out our latest announcements. That was mentioned earlier, but I really do want to encourage you to uh, check that out at some point. This morning, we're continuing and wrapping up our, uh, our study of the book of Philippians. Now, as I introduced this, a few years ago, I was in a conversation with, with a friend of mine. We were talking about exercise. And in the course of the conversation, I talked about, yeah, I really enjoy jogging. In fact, I said, I'm a little bit nerdy. I like to go for a run, and then I'll get online, and I'll map out exactly how far I ran on a mapping software and kind of figure it out by hand. And, and as I said that, my, my friend looked at me and said, George, you don't, you don't have to do that manually. You know, there are programs, there are applications that'll do that right on your phone. And, and that's when I was introduced to Map My Run, which I've been using, I think, for the last five years. It does it automatically. It measures the distance, the time, the pace, the elevation. It shows me a map of exactly where I've gone. And when I discovered this, it was so amazing. It was like this aha experience. I no longer had to do things the old-fashioned way. It really did make a difference in how I enjoyed running. Have you, have you ever had one of those aha moments where someone has kind of spoken into your life, given you a recommendation, a book, a website, a resource, a curriculum for your kids, uh, a site online that helps you in a particular area of your hobby? You know that moment when somebody gives you an insight that just brings a new reality to some dimension of your life? Do you know those moments? Well, as I said this morning, we're continuing our journey through uh, the book of Philippians, and this is the last message in the series. As we've gone through this book, Paul is inviting us to, to enjoy and develop a life of, of resilient joy, and he's challenged us in a variety of ways. He's challenged us really to think clearly, right, to have a mindset shaped by the gospel. He's challenged us to relate to one another sacrificially, to be for one another, to be willing to to work through conflict. He's challenged us to live boldly and, you know, to to even in the midst of a challenging environment, to shine like stars in the sky. And we get to the very end of the book, and he has he has just one final lesson for us. And interestingly, he calls this lesson a secret. Now, now why, would he, why would he use that kind of language? Why would you call something a secret? Well, I think maybe there are a couple of reasons. I mean, for one thing, you know, when we think about a secret, a secret is something that can easily be missed. Maybe somebody's given you a great restaurant recommendation, and you tried it out, and it turned out they had really good food. Maybe it was, it's a restaurant that, you know, you've passed dozens of times before, but you never knew it was there. Or maybe you passed it, you knew it was there, but it always looked like a dive. You were never willing to stop. But now you discover, even though it's ugly on the outside, the food is amazing on the inside. You discovered a secret, something that could easily be missed. And I think he, he also calls this factor a secret because it's something that while it can easily be missed, it can be of tremendous value when we learn it and we discover it. So what really is this last lesson that Paul has for us in developing resilient joy? What's this last lesson that he calls a secret that we can easily miss? What's the factor? Well, it's, it's this. It's contentment. 
It's contentment. To show you what I mean, let's now come to part of the last section of Philippians chapter 4. Paul says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that, it, that, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have now noticed this. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Now, in some ways, what Paul is doing as he ends the letter, he's coming right back to where he started. We've come full circle. If you go back to the opening part of the letter in Paul's Thanksgiving section, he talks about uh, the fact that the, the Philippians had partnered with him in the gospel, and that included the idea that they had given him financial support. And now we come to the end of the letter, and he's celebrating their, their participation financially in his ministry, their partnership in the gospel. And here's what I think he's saying. He's saying, look, I'm, I celebrate the fact that you have partnered with me. But you also need to know there's been, there's been a deeper reality at work in my life. There's been this deep secret that's at work in my life. And that secret has enabled me to navigate my circumstances, whether they're, whether they're easy or whether they're challenging. And that secret has been true contentment. Now, when you see this term contentment, what comes to your mind? I mean, what do you, what do you think about when you hear the term contentment? Maybe you think about certain experiences. I mean, maybe, maybe you think back to last fall going into Christmas and you say, ah, oh, contentment. I had that conversation with my parents. I told them I wanted this new gaming system or a new phone, and they looked at me and said, no, you should be content with what you have. Maybe, maybe that's what comes to your mind when you think about contentment. Or maybe some of us go in a different direction. You think about contentment, and you know, maybe you think about last summer. You think about this great trip you had to Myrtle Beach, and just there was that one day you were sitting out on the beach, and it was perfect, and it felt like you didn't have a single care in the world. All of this was BC, that is before COVID, and it was just, ah, that was a moment. That's when I truly felt content. So what do you think about when you think about contentment? Let's talk about what it means. And maybe, maybe we can start by identifying what, it, what contentment is not at least from Paul's perspective. So let me just highlight a couple of things that I think are pretty clear in this book that, that help us understand what it's not. First of all, contentment is not apathy or laziness. You know, I, I know some of us are really entrepreneurial. We're, we're goal-oriented. We're always thinking about next steps and what's on the horizon. And, and we're, we, you know, we're stretching, we're striving, we're moving forward. There's a healthy ambition in our lives. And, and maybe sometimes when you hear the word contentment, for you, as you look around, and it just feels like, well, that just becomes an, an excuse for being lazy or, or apathetic. I mean, that's, that's a term people use when they're not willing to take risk or be stretched. They just thought, well, I just want to be content. And, and please understand, when you look at the life of Paul, you, you can't describe his life in terms of apathy or laziness. I mean, you read this letter, you read his other, other writings, it's very clear he was always being stretched. He was always thinking about what was next. So contentment isn't, isn't apathy or, or laziness. Furthermore, contentment is not lowered expectations. Perhaps for some, here's how you create contentment. You just lower the bar of expectation. 
You lower the bar of expectation for yourself and others, and you know what? It's never hard to hurdle then. And, and I think for some, what can happen is it's, it's like we, we become content by lowering the bar of expectations, but maybe over time we just become cynical about life, right? We, we presume the worst, therefore we're never disappointed. But once again, for Paul, contentment's not about lowered expectations. I mean, you read this letter as we've gone through it. He doesn't lower the bar for himself or for the people receiving this letter. Maybe one other thing that contentment is not, and, and that is this. Contentment is not a denial of my emotions. I think sometimes, even as followers of Christ, maybe we feel guilty when we talk about contentment because we've gone through stressful situations, hard situations. Maybe we're going through one right now, and I feel guilty because, you know what, I'm feeling the stress. and I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm supposed to be content. I'm supposed to just kind of ride the wave and, and not be affected by this at all. But once again, I I would point you back to this letter written to the church at Philippi. I I would point you to the fact that even Paul kind of has has felt the weight of some of the complications going on in this context, right? In in chapter 2, he said, I'm sending, sending Epaphroditus, the church's messenger, back to you because Epaphroditus, you know, had fallen ill. He almost died. And in essence, Paul says, I'm, I'm feeling the weight of this and I won't, I won't, fully be satisfied until, until he's back with you safe and sound. So Paul felt the weight of some of the stuff going on in the situation. So contentment's not apathy or laziness. It's not lowered expectations. It's not a denial of my emotions. If that's the case, then, then what exactly is it? What is, Paul, what is Paul talking about when he says, I've learned the secret of, of contentment? Well, here's the way I would kind of describe it in Paul's life. It's a satisfaction in Christ that frees me from the relentless pursuit of more. For Paul, contentment is a satisfaction in Christ that frees me from the relentless pursuit of more. First of all, it is a, it's a deep satisfaction in Christ. Right? Paul describes the fact that he's been able to work through different kinds of circumstances, and he says, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. That's a great translation of what he's saying there. And and the language communicates the idea that Paul says, look, there's this, the presence of Christ, the power of Christ is at work in me at the very core of who I am. In some ways, it echoes what Paul said earlier in the letter. Remember, he talked about God is is working in us, and, and therefore we are to work our salvation out. Paul has this deep recognition that as, as a follower of Christ, God's spirit the presence of Christ is now at work in me. And he says, that's, that's foundational to, to my contentment. So for Paul, at the very core, contentment starts with the, the presence and the person of Jesus Christ in our, our lives and his work in us. And that really, I think, exposes an underlying truth that's just under the surface in this, in this part of the letter. And the underlying truth is this. Our deepest needs are relational, not circumstantial. Our deepest needs are relational, not circumstantial. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up in this cycle of of thinking, yes, I want to be content, but I would be content if if this changed in my life. That's That's what contentment will require. I need this circumstance to change in my life. And and so we kind of deal along these lines. I would be content if this changed. 
if my family status changed, if my job changed, if my financial security changed, if I had a different boss and that changed. And, and we get locked into thinking that, that my contentment at the core is tied into particular circumstances. But I think it's clear from what Paul is saying here that foundationally our, our deepest needs are relational. They're not tied to our circumstances. Now understand, all the things that we put in this blank are important. I don't want to deny that. The things that we would like to change, those circumstances, they can be heavy, they can be weighty, and it can be much better in so many ways if they would change. Yet, we still need to realize that at the deepest level, (laughs) my foundational need is relational. It's not circumstantial. Interestingly, in the Old Testament, there's a word commonly used for soul, nephesh. And in many contexts, that, that word kind of is used in a place where it talks about being satisfied. It talks about a desire that needs to be satisfied. And, it, and I think it becomes a clue to us that at the core of who we are, we have this soul. And our soul needs to be satisfied. That is, we need to have a sense of purpose and meaning. We need to be loved. At the core of who we are, we have this relational need to be satisfied. And that's ultimately a satisfaction that our soul can't provide for itself. It it needs to come from somewhere else or from someone else. Along these lines, uh, the author C.S. Lewis had a fascinating observation. He once wrote that, you know, if you look carefully at the world in which we live, that, that the legitimate desires in our world are also met with resources that can provide satisfaction. So, you know, we have, we have a desire to drink. We have thirst, and that can be met by water. We, we get hungry. We have a desire for food, and there's food in the world in which we live. And then he went on as he described this reality to say this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. It's a fascinating observation. And do you see what he's getting at? I think in some ways he's getting at the truth that underlies what Paul is saying here. That in each of us, our, our most profound need is relational. It's a need to be connected to God. We were created in God's image. We've been designed to be in relationship with him. And it's only it's only that relation that can bring ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction at the deepest level of who we are. So when Paul is saying he's discovered the secret, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? I've come to understand that that the deepest need at the core of who I am is the need to be connected to God. And my soul will only be satisfied in the context of the relationship that Christ makes possible. It's not that circumstances aren't important, that circumstances don't matter. Rather, it's recognizing that the most profound need in my life is relational. It's not circumstantial. Along those lines, let me just acknowledge that some of you who are watching this are hearing me talk about this relationship with Christ, but you have yet to start that. And even as Paul is describing what that looks like in this book, understand that that can be your journey as well. 
It's a journey that begins by acknowledging our own brokenness, our sin, and putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, you know, as a church, we here at Hershey Free would love to help you understand what that journey looks like. So we'd love to have a follow-up conversation if you are ready to take that next step. So Paul says, look, I get circumstances are important, yet I've discovered my, my deepest needs, not circumstantial. It's relational, and it is met through Christ. And he's saying it's in the context of this relationship that I now have the strength that I am equipped to deal with whatever circumstances come my way. Now, here's one reason why, here's what, one reason why I think this truth is really important. Let's go back to that definition, right? That, that for Paul, contentment is a satisfaction in Christ. Now, notice that frees me from the relentless pursuit of more. Here's why this, here's why this definition and this theme is so important. Why it's such an important secret to learn. If I don't get the first part, if I don't get the idea of my core need being fulfilled through satisfaction in Christ, if I don't get the first part, I will get stuck in the second part. I can easily find myself stuck in the relentless pursuit of more. If I don't get that ultimately my deepest need, the deepest source of contentment is found in this relationship with Christ, I can find myself constantly putting new things in that blank. I will be content if... And I think the reality is we can fill that with all sorts of things. We can fill it with certain opportunities, with promotion, achievement, recognition. And the truth is, for some of us, when we fill in that blank, you know, I'll be content if we write it in pencil. And it's like we go through different seasons of our lives and we put different things in the blank and maybe we start to reach that goal, but there's still this sense that there's got to be something more. So we erase that goal and we put in a different goal and on and on we go. And if we're not careful, (laughs) we may find ourselves just kind of stuck on a treadmill. A treadmill of discontent. Now, I've got to admit, so this is the treadmill in my basement. And I'm proud to say, clothes have never hung on it. I mean, there's always that joke about treadmills getting stuck in the basement and being, you know, very expensive clothes racks. There's There's never been clothes on this treadmill. But I also have to admit, I really don't use it that often. And the truth is, I've, I've always found it hard to run on a treadmill because at the end of the run, I, I still, I, I haven't really gone anywhere. It's just been over and over. And I've discovered, for me, that that can almost become a mental block sometimes. So I much prefer running outside. But the truth is, if, if I don't learn that satisfaction in Christ is, is that which gets to the core of true contentment, I can get stuck on the treadmill of discontent in this relentless pursuit of more. And the truth is, for some of you, maybe right now you'd say, you know what, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm I'm always kind of focusing, my mind is drawn to certain aspects of my circumstances, and it's always, if only if, if only if, and if only if this were different. And sometimes even when the circumstances change, there's a, there's a new item that goes into the blank, and it's like you're on the treadmill over and over and over again. And there's just a layer of discontent, and you can't get off of it. So very quickly then, so how do I get off the treadmill? How do I get off the treadmill? Let me just give you two words, two simple concepts. Um, first of all, the word <laughs> recognize. Recognize. 
I think part of, part of discovering the secret that Paul is talking about is recognize that maybe I've gotten stuck on the treadmill. Maybe I've become so focused on certain dimensions of my circumstances that, that I've lost sight that, that my deepest need is actually relational. Interestingly, um, some of our staff, we were working through this passage earlier this week, and as we were talking about contentment, one of the things we acknowledged in the conversation was, you know, it can be the case that the opposite of contentment is, is coveting. That as I, I reach a point where it's like I absolutely have to have this change in my circumstances, otherwise I will never be content. And, and whether we realize it or not, that can be a form of coveting. So I think part of, of, of recognizing where we're at is from time to time being willing to ask ourselves some hard questions. If I'm discontent, I need to wrestle with this. Is there really something underneath that I'm coveting? What, it, what is the source of that discontent? What is fueling it? Have I, have I become so focused on certain dimensions of my circumstances that I've lost sight that my deepest, most foundational need and the, and the place where I can experience true contentment is actually relational, not circumstantial. So I think we need, we need to do some self-examination here. I need to be willing to ask myself some hard questions. If I am stuck on that treadmill, so where is it coming from? Have I become convinced that my deepest need is circumstantial, not relational? And the second word is, is this, just remember. If you're a follower of Christ, remember that you've got to remind yourself, you know what, you've now been brought into this new relationship. That Christ's power, as Paul talks about in different ways in this letter, is, is at work in your life. And that, that that will be the foundational source of contentment in your life because it is his presence and his power that will meet you at your deepest point of need. You know, if you remember early in the book, he prays right at the beginning of the book. He, he says, I, I want you to grow in your love. And he says, I want that love then to lead to discernment. And it's almost like he's saying, you know what? I want you to grow in understanding the power of God at work in your life, the love of God at work in your life that's meeting your deepest, most fundamental need, because as you grow in that understanding, it's going to give you the discernment to navigate the circumstances regardless of what they look like in your life right now. So in different ways, I I need to remind myself of, of the reality of this relationship and the depth of God's love for me that is meeting me at my deepest need. And so maybe one thing I just encourage you to think about is, what are, what are the practices, what are the rhythms that will remind you, so, you of that love? What are, the, what are the practices that can be a part of your life that help you remember that you are deeply loved by God? As we kind of move forward uh, through the month of August, we're, we're going to take some time in the Psalms in our next series to think about how God wants to renew us. You know, obviously this has been a long stretch of of difficulty that we've been going through and we're coming to the end of the summer. It's a great time, I think, to be renewed. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at different Psalms and see how God wants to renew us, to renew our, our perspective, to renew our soul, to renew our sense of peace, our sense of purpose. And can I encourage you just to really embrace this series and even, even to embrace month with an openness that this can be a season of renewal in your life. 
And even now to say, okay, what, what, what can I build into my calendar? What are some of the practices and, and, and ways in which over the course of this month I can be open to being reminded of God's depth of love for me? So how do you get off the treadmill? Recognize where you're at and remember the depth of God's love for you. Paul closes this book and he says, look, I've got, I've got one more thing to tell you about developing resilient joy. And it's a secret. It's something you can easily miss. But it is, it's the power of contentment, the power of realizing that at the core of who you are, your, your deepest need isn't tied to your circumstances. It's tied to the need of a relationship with God. And when that becomes foundational, when you allow the satisfaction of Christ to take root in your life, it will equip you to encounter different circumstances, whatever they may be. And that is an invitation to resilient joy. Would you join me in prayer? So God, as we've gone through this book uh, in so many ways, I've marveled at the experience of the Apostle Paul, even his own life story, the challenges he was facing, and yet in the midst of that, his invitation to resilient joy. And Father, I, I pray for us, because we, you know, we continue to go through some very unexpected seasons, and uh, among other things, we've lost control in the midst of that in so many ways. And yet, Father, would this passage just remind us that ultimately our deepest needs aren't about our circumstances. And ultimately, the deepest source of contentment isn't about a change in circumstances. It's found in this relationship with you. Father, may Paul's words challenge us, even as we start a new week, to be open to the depth of your love and to the satisfaction that only Christ can bring to our very soul. Father, would that message sink in now? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.